This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, we're going to use them. So open them up to Matthew chapter 24. I'll give you a quick moment to do that. We're going to start tonight with this text. It's not going to be our primary text, but it's going to be what I like to call our setup text. Okay? So this is a setup for where we're going, which means Pastor Jason might have a little longer introduction than normal. But you guys will give me the grace, okay? And for those watching online, we greet you. Thank you for being with us. Hopefully you'll give Pastor Jason some grace tonight with his introduction. Beginning in verse 3 through 14, it says this, As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him, meaning Jesus, and said, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray. The first thing I want to say tonight is this. We are living in a time where many people are being led astray. They're being seduced. They're being deceived. They're being led astray. Many of these people are your friends. Some of them are your family. Some of them are your neighbors. Some of them may even come to this church and appear to have it all together. And Jesus is telling his followers then, which I believe is a message for us now, that we need to be careful that we don't allow others to lead us astray. And why would Jesus say this? Well, to begin, Jesus knows that we're sheep. We're sheeple. And the Bible says we, like sheep, have all gone our own way, right? We, like sheep, have a tendency to stray, don't we? To wander, to test the boundaries of God's love. How many of you have ever been guilty of testing the boundaries of God's love and grace? Every hand should be up in this room. And we have a tendency to go our own way. Anyone see the video of the sheep that was stuck in the crack this week? on social media. I love this video. In the video, and Candace talked about it at our prayer night on Tuesday, but in the video, the sheep keeps getting stuck in this like ditch, but it's really like a crack. And the shepherd comes along and tries to pull him out. And in the video, he successfully pulls the sheep out of the crack and the sheep goes bouncing and running off and then jumps right back into it. Man, I wish I had that video tonight. We, like sheep, tend to go our own way. We tend to stray. And that's why Jesus, as the good shepherd, is coming to his disciples and coming to us today and saying, be careful. Be careful. See that no one leads you astray. We have a tendency, like sheep, to be pulled out of one deception only to find ourselves jumping right into another. And Jesus is saying, be careful, guys. Don't let others lead you astray. He continues in verse five. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. Do you see that? Many will come pretending to be like Jesus, who will even try to bear his name, who will actually end up leading people astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. Verse seven, 
For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Verse 8, all these are but the beginning. Say the beginning. The beginning of the birth pains. The next thing I want to say to us tonight is this. Number two, we are starting to experience the beginning of what Jesus here calls birth pains. For you women out there who have had children, you are all too well acquainted with birth pains. Confession time. When my wife was pregnant with our first child 13 years ago, mind you, we just celebrated Cora's birthday on Friday. I officially have a teenager. I'm in the club. I don't know if that makes me old or what, but I'm excited about it. But when Candace was pregnant and giving birth to Cora 13 years ago, I did the stupidest thing you could ever do. I invited all my friends because I was excited, right? First child, amidst all of our friends, there was about six of us couples that were all having kids at the same time and we were the first. And so I invited everybody into the, the room and, 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 and I thought, you know what? It's gonna be a while before Candace gives birth, you know, and I'm in my mid-20s, guys, so give me some grace here. I was a little bit of a bonehead. And we're playing cards. We're hanging out. And Candace is sitting there going into labor in pain, giving me that look like, if you do not get these people out of this room right now, I am going to kill you. And I'll never forget looking over and going, oh, she's in pain. Um, guys, you should probably go. <laughs> I have pictures of it. It's pretty hilarious. We're all sitting around the table, and then Candace is like, ah. Not my finest moment. Not my finest moment. <laughs> For you ladies that have given birth, you know how painful it can be. And you know that pain doesn't start off immediate, right? It builds. It gradually builds as the body contracts and expands and does what it's supposed to do in preparation for the coming of your child. In the same way, Jesus here is pointing out to us, to the church, to his disciples, to his followers, that there will be all sorts of things that are going to happen around us. There are going to be things like wars and rumors of war. Anybody hear uh, rumors of war lately? Nation rising against nation. Anybody hear of that lately? Famines and earthquakes. Guys, remember that earthquake we experienced here last year? That was pretty epic. And he says, these are the beginning. <laughs> the beginning of the birth pains. He continues, verse 9. And then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Now pause. Jesus, don't you know that's not the best way to sell books? It's not the best way to get people to sign up for your discipleship program? What do you mean? I'm going to be hated if I follow you? Yeah. And I'm going to suffer and go through tribulation and trials and pain and even death? Yeah. And I'm going to be hated by all nations? I mean, like, other nations are going to hate me too? I remember when I was 18, I went to Paris, and I discovered that Paris people don't like Americans as much as we think they do. And they, I remember going to this restaurant, and this guy was like, you silly Americans, you think you just know it all. Just total attitude and irreverence for me. And of course, I looked the part. Of course, I had a, like, the USA is number one t-shirt on. And a, no, I didn't. I didn't. I'm kidding. <laughs> but I did have, like, a fanny pack. Remember those? 
They're coming back. Okay, I saw my daughter wear one the other day. I was like, what is going on? Fanny packs are back. All right. But I had a fanny pack. I had the hat. I had the cargo shorts. I looked totally American. But I'll never forget feeling like despised, like legitimately despised because of my like national heritage. I was like, what the heck? And Jesus here is saying, like, that's nothing. You're going to be hated by all nations for my namesake. You bear the name of Christ. Guess what? There's going to be a target on your back. And then he goes on to say this in verse 10. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate each other. Anybody see anybody hate anybody lately? And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased. Anybody notice lawlessness increasing? The love of many will grow cold. Anybody feel like, where's the love? Gosh, it's almost like God is writing to them, but speaking to us. And I believe he is. Now pause with me for just a moment, because this is a setup, like I said. This is my very long and lengthy introduction that I promised you. But I don't want us to miss this. There is coming a time, Jesus says, where we will experience great tribulation and be hated, and many will fall away and be led astray, and lawlessness will be increased. And we're already starting to see this. We're already starting to see the beginning of the birth pains. We're starting to feel the rumble and the tension intensify. And I don't say this to us because I want to alarm you, as fun as that is. I say this to us tonight because I believe God is trying to get our attention, and he's trying to say to the church, it's time to get ready. It's time to get ready. The title of my message tonight, for those of you that are taking notes, is it's time to get ready. It's time to prepare for what I believe is about to unfold all around us, which means that the time of playing games of being cute with God, is over. It's time to get serious about the things of God. It's time to, as I said last week, get up out of our graves and come alive in Jesus' name. And it's time to buy oil for our lamps. More on that in just a moment. Verse 13, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Today I want to, as your pastor, help equip you to endure to the end. Jesus says those that endure, that means those that don't give up, those that aren't led astray, those that don't give in to pressure to conform and to choose the way that leads to destruction, will persevere and triumph over whatever obstacles lie in our way, whatever challenges are before us. Before we get to our primary text, I want to look at one more statement from Jesus so that you don't think that Pastor Jason is just on some kind of end times kick tonight, okay? I want you to listen to what Jesus says at the end of this chapter. In the same chapter, Matthew 24, we're going to skip ahead now to verse 42 through verses 44. Therefore, Jesus says, stay awake, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Jesus says, stay awake. In other words, it's time to be alert. It's time to be watchful. It's time to wake up because we don't know when he's coming. And I believe that God is trying to wake his people up. We look at COVID-19 as this horrible thing that has happened to us when I believe it's something that God has allowed to happen for us. It's a setup to get our attention 
to wake us up that we can't play games anymore. We can't be cute with God. We got to get serious. We got to be ready and alert and watchful. Like Jesus says here, it's time to stay awake. I believe God wants to wake his people up and not allow ourselves to be lulled asleep by the sirens of the world. What is a siren? For you Greek mythology nerds, a siren is a half-winged, half-womanly creature who would stand out on the rocks and sing her sweet, beautiful song. And it would lull sailors to sleep, so much so that they would crash their ships upon the rocks and die. I believe that there are many sirens within our culture today that are singing their song, trying to lull you and to lull you and to lull me asleep so that we end up crashing upon the rocks. And Jesus says, people, it's time to stay awake. It's time to be watchful. It's time to wake up. And then he says this in verse 43. And know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, and here's where I want us to focus in. You also must be ready. Can I ask you tonight, are you ready? Are you alert? Are you watchful? Or are you being lulled to sleep by the sirens of the world? You must be ready. And then he continues, for the son of man is coming at an hour that you and I do not expect. Before we jump into Matthew 25 and where I ultimately want to land us tonight, before we talk about what it means to be ready and to, to buy oil for our lamps, I want to say this. None of us know the hour of Christ's coming. Okay, those that say they do are foolish and they're fooling themselves and leading people astray. Jesus said, even I don't know the hour, but my Father in heaven, okay? And in the same way, we can live with some tension here. It's okay to live with a little bit of mystery and tension regarding the second coming of Christ. We don't know when Christ is going to return. But, 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 dot, 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 Jesus tells us here that we must be ready for it. Now, if this was written to them, and it's a message for us, I believe that it's time for us to grab a hold of this and to live like those who are expecting and awaiting the return of Christ. Why? Because it causes us to live alert. It causes us to wake up, to notice what's going on, to discern, to pray, to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. All the things that we want to do anyways, right? It gives us fuel for our fire. Turn with me now to Matthew chapter 25, and this is where we're going to focus on verses 1 through 13 tonight. This is going to be our primary text, and for the sake of those watching online and for those of us here, to help us better understand this story or this parable that Jesus tells, I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation tonight, okay? You guys know I love the ESV, but tonight we're going full NLT. If you have your iPhones, it's really simple. You just open up the Bible app and choose your translation, and boom, you're with me. Verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 bridesmaids, some texts say virgins, who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish. Say foolish. And five of them were wise. Say wise. And the five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps. 
But the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. And when the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Now, pause with me. I want to help us better understand what's happening in the backdrop of this story that Jesus is telling. We need to understand the context of it. In Jesus's day and in the first century, when people would attend a wedding, it was not uncommon for that wedding to last more than a few hours. It was not uncommon for that wedding to last more than a couple of days, even a whole week. And it was considered a real honor to be invited. Anybody not get invited to a wedding that you thought you should have got invited to and you felt kind of crummy about it? We've all kind of been there, right? Didn't get the invite we thought we should. Now we've got a couple here that are getting ready to get married and they just looked at each other, so I love it. No pressure to invite people that you don't want to be at your wedding. It's okay. In 20 years, no one's going to remember anyways. You guys will know. So no pressure. But that's what we do, right? Mom and dad jump in the picture, and then they got their list of people they want to invite. Yeah, we're all synced up tonight, of course. But in this day and age, in the first century, it was a real honor to be invited to a wedding. And what made these weddings really fun and kind of unique was that you didn't know when the groom was going to show up. Now, we don't do this today. <laughs> in, in our day and time, it's more likely that we're going to wait on the bride, right? To get herself all dolled up and be ready to go. But in this day and age, it was very common that you didn't know when the groom was coming. Are you guys see where I'm going with this? And so everyone would get ready and all the bridesmaids would be in their dresses, just all decked out, looking all fly and beautiful. And the bride would be in her place. And then eventually a loud shout or a loud announcement would be given. A herald would be sent before the bridegroom. And the message of the groom's arrival might come in the afternoon. It might come in the evening. It might come at midnight or two in the morning. The fun part about going to a wedding like this was that you didn't know when the groom was going to show up, but you knew he was coming. Part of the anticipation was building in the waiting for his arrival. And the herald would say something like this, behold, the bridegroom is coming. And everyone who heard the message would rush to get into place, including the bride and the bridesmaids. Everyone would get into place and then the ceremony would begin. And if you weren't ready and you didn't hear the announcement, chances are you would miss it. This is the backdrop against what Jesus is setting up for us here in the telling of this parable. Verse 6, at midnight, they were roused by the shout, look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. Now, when you understand the context, you would understand why everyone would rush out to meet the groom. But in our day and age, it's all about the bride, baby. Here comes the bride. Dun, 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 dun. But in this context, it was the other way around. And so, verse 7, all the bridesmaids would get up and they would prepare their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourself. Pause with me for a moment. In the story that Jesus is telling here, the bridegroom shows up at midnight, which means it's going to be dark. In the first century, no electricity, no power. No flashlights, 
They had lamps. And you can tell in the story that Jesus is telling here that the bridegroom arrives at midnight, so it's dark. It's very, 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 very dark and hard to see. Another point to consider in the context of this story, around the first century, it was not uncommon for people to carry around with them little lamps. Not lamps like we see with the torches, but little saucers filled with oil and a floating wick. And it was not uncommon for them to carry those around at night. And it was also not uncommon for them to have a little belt with a little flask of extra oil so that if their lamp went out, if it ran out of oil, they were prepared. They were ready. If I could equivalent this, if I just made up that word, that's okay. If I could <laughs> relate this to a modern day equivalent, it'd be like you and I carrying around an extra charger for our cell phone or extra batteries for our flashlight. The idea is that you're prepared. And in the story that Jesus is telling, five bridesmaids were ready and prepared. They had enough oil for their lamps. And Jesus calls the five that were prepared wise. Just a little hint to you, whenever Jesus says something is wise, we should probably pay attention. Just a thought. And he calls the five that were not prepared, that were not ready, foolish. And the foolish bridesmaids' lamps are going out. They're running out of oil. And not only are their lamps going out, but they don't have enough oil to refill them either. And so what do they try to do? They attempt to live off, to bum some oil off the other bridesmaids. And I want to say this to us prophetically tonight. You cannot survive off of another's oil. The day and age of you and I trying to live off of other people's oil is over. Meaning it's time to take ownership of your faith. It's time for you to take ownership of your own lamp and your own oil. It's time for you to take ownership of your prayer life and your relationship with God. It's time for you and for me to get serious about the things of God. It doesn't matter if your parents were Christian doesn't matter if your boyfriend is a Christian. It doesn't matter if your girlfriend is one or if your great-grandparents were. It's time for you to get oil for your lamp. And I believe that's where God is leading his church today. I really do. It's time to stop comparing ourselves with others. It's time to stop trying to bum a ride off of where God is taking other people. Come on, it's time for us to get our own direction and to get our own conviction and to be awake and ready for what God wants to do in us. That's the invitation tonight. Because Jesus says, time is running out. And you may not have time to do this later. Verse 10. But while they were gone, the five foolish, to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. And later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside the party saying, Lord, Lord, I want you to, to underline that in your Bible. Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. I don't know you. People of God, it's time for us to buy oil now. It's time to get serious about the things of God now, because we don't know the hour of his coming, 
And you don't want to miss the wedding. You don't want to be locked out. And you certainly don't want to hear him say, I don't know you. Where have we heard that before? You guys will remember a few weeks ago, I, I preached on this. If you'll remember, I spoke on this from Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23. It says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And on that day, many will say to me, many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, like I declared to the five foolish bridesmaids, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. There is coming a time, which Jesus alludes to here in Matthew 25, where people will be caught unprepared. They will be left out of what the Bible here calls the great marriage supper of the Lamb. The uniting of the bride, that's us, God's people, with her bridegroom, that's Jesus, our Messiah. Which is why Jesus would go on to say this in verse 13 of Matthew 25. So you too must keep watch. Jesus is saying this to his disciples, not to the world. He's not saying it to people who don't believe in him. He's saying it to his closest disciples those that have decided to go all in for Jesus. He's saying, you too must keep watch for you do not know the hour or the day of my return. Tonight, my charge to us as a people, as the church, is that it's time to get ready. It's time to get ready. It's time to buy oil for our lamps now. It's time to be watchful for what is to come now. Maybe you're here tonight and you haven't really gotten serious about Jesus. And tonight's your night. Maybe you're here and you've been seeking out your own selfish pleasure and aims. Maybe you've been coming to church and listening to the podcasts or watching the messages online, but you haven't gone all in for Christ. Meaning there's still a part of you that's going to be caught unprepared because there's still a part of you caught up in the things of this world. What kind of things might I be referring to? Maybe you've been living for yourself. Maybe you've been seeking out your own selfish pleasure, not really investing in your faith. Maybe you've gotten swept up into politics and movements that aren't really rooted in Jesus. Maybe you've allowed yourself to become so busy with work and the pursuit of happiness that you haven't really been pursuing Jesus. What's amazing to me about this story that Jesus tells is that all 10 if I can get my fingers up, were invited, all 10. All 10 intended on going to the wedding. All 10 heard the same announcement, that the groom was coming, but only five prepared themselves for it. Those aren't good odds. It's one out of two. Wasn't the best at math, but it's 50%. (laughs) I want you to hear my heart today. This is my pastoral heart for you. God loves us. He loves you. He wants you to be included in what is to come. He's already set a place for you at his table of grace. He's already sent out the invitation, but you need to get ready. You need to go and buy oil now. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5 says this, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, 
lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. I believe that's so today. (laughs) And for many of us, that's right where we're at. I believe many people want the appearance of godliness but deny its power. In other words, they may have lamps that look lit when in reality they're running dry. They're operating on fumes. They may may seem to be full of oil, but they aren't. Friends, you can be surrounded by people that look the part, that sound the part, that even seem to be real spiritual and have it all together. Or you can seek out the source for yourself. You can go and get some oil for yourself. And I want to tell you how. What's significant about oil? Among the more than 200 times that oil is mentioned in the Bible, the connection is as a metaphor of the Holy Spirit's presence and power. And that's abundantly clear. We see it all throughout the scriptures. Jesus is called the anointed one. The anointed one, meaning the Messiah, or it's translated to Christ, Christos. It means the oil-smothered one. (laughs) The one who's smothered and covered in oil. Anybody like to cook? You know that the best kind of cooking involves a whole lot of oil and a whole lot of butter. Can I get a witness, Chrissy? To all my friends from... You know what I'm talking about. Yes. I made omelets today, and I, man, I'll tell you what, they were good. Mozzarella, mm, little salsa, little salsa for you Southwesterners. It was good. And oil is so important. And it's used as a metaphor, not just within our own lives, but in the scriptures to point us to the Holy Spirit. We see the oil of the Holy Spirit all over the prophets and all over David and all over those chosen by God, ultimately Jesus, the anointed one. We see Jesus full of the Spirit, full of the oil of the Spirit. And in the same way that we see that in Jesus, Jesus wants to see that in us. As a church, this is actually one of our core values we talked about in our growth track class today, to be a people that are empowered by the Spirit, to be a people that host his spirit, to be a people that are sensitive and obedient to the voice of the spirit. What I also love about oil and what makes it so significant is that it fuels the fire. You can't be a light to the world if your own flame has gone out. That's why God wants us to be ready now to go and buy oil for our lamps now, to be full of his presence and power now, because you can't be any help to anybody else if your own lamp isn't lit. Some of you have been trying to live your best life rather than allowing God to live his best life in you. And as a result, you're stressed out, you're burned out, and you're worn out. Anybody been there or there now? Some of you? Hear me on this. The spirit life is not about adding things to your to-do list. It's actually about removing things from it, if I can be honest. So tonight I want to do this as we close. I want us to take an inventory of our heart and where we are with Jesus right now. And I want us to ask ourselves these questions. Am I living a life that's full of the oil of his spirit? Is my lamp even lit? Am I truly ready for his return? Now, if your answer to these questions is yes, praise God. You should be up here teaching. 
But if your answer in any of these is no or I'm not sure, we want to help you. For those of you that have burned out, maybe have been stressed out or worn out tonight, we want to pray that God would refill you, that he would refill and refresh you with fresh oil, with new oil. Amen? And for those of you that haven't gone all in for Jesus yet, this is your opportunity to surrender and to say yes to him. Can I do this? Can I ask our prayer team to come as we close? And anybody that's, yeah, signed up to do that tonight, thank you. The urgency that I'm feeling in my spirit right now about the season that we've entered into as a church is not only that it's no longer time to play games, not that we ever really were, but that it's time to get serious, it's time to wake up, it's time to be alert, it's time to be watchful, it's time to lean in, it's time to have our lamps lit, it's time to ask ourselves these hard questions, is because I believe God wants us to be ready. It's in the heart of God that you would be a part of the great wedding feast to come. And I'll tell you what, guys, it's going to be good. And if you are, then it is beholden of you that you should go out and try to get as many other people as possible to come and join you. Because if we have this answer that we profess to have, and we do, and we have this hope that we profess to have, and we do, then wouldn't we want to share that with others? Yeah. So tonight, maybe the extension of this message for you is, you know what, my lamp's lit, but maybe I need to figure out how to light the lamps of 10 other people around me. Maybe it's time for me to be an oil broker for others. <laughs> we talk a lot about hope, but I believe that just like Peter, when he came to the gate called Beautiful, he said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I freely give to you. And he breathed on them the power of the Holy Spirit. He gave them oil. They wanted gold, but he gave them oil. I'll tell you what, in an upside-down economy, investing in oil is still a pretty good bet. <laughs> Let's be oil brokers. Let's be people that take this oil of the Holy Spirit this, the Bible refers to it as the oil of gladness, the oil of joy, the oil of anointing that comes from the Holy Spirit. And let's be willing to share it with our spouse to, to begin, with our boyfriend and girlfriend to begin, with those in our workplace to begin, for sure. Those are all great places. But let's not overlook places that seem far off or impossible, too. I believe that might be a, a specific encouragement for somebody here tonight. As we land this plane here tonight. And as we close, I want to invite you to come forward if you need prayer. And I want to be specific about what I want you to come forward for. Okay. So not if you have a headache or not, if you like had a crummy day at work this week, um, those are all things that we will pray for, but I want you to be specific in your response tonight to what I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do. And here's what he wants to do. He wants to refill you and refresh you tonight. Some of you are like, I'm, I'm almost depleted. You came in here depleted tonight. And God wants to refill your reservoir tonight with fresh oil. If that's you, I want to invite you to come forward in just a moment. And for those of you that just feel maybe a little worn out 
or maybe just a little stressed out with where you're at. Maybe you've got decisions that you need to make this week. Whatever that looks like, I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to help you to make those decisions. And so I want to invite you to come forward for prayer too. If you need specific Spirit-led help tonight. Does that make sense? We've been in this kind of time of, of getting ready and preparation and renewal and reset and waking up and being alert. And, and it's a specific sound that I think God wants to release. And I don't know if I did the, the, the most adequate job of releasing that tonight, but I believe that it's not just about a moment. It's about a new season that God's bringing the church into. What used to work isn't going to work, if I can just be honest. The marketing, the shiny wrapper on Instagram and all that, as much as I love those things, God's looking for us to invest in oil, oil that'll last, oil that, that will burn, burn bright. And I just feel like as a church, we're coming into a, a new time where some of the, I mentioned this last week, where some of the props and the things that we've kind of depended upon, God's just going to remove those. And it's going to be really uncomfortable for people who have kind of latched onto that. Had a conversation with a gentleman this week in our church who stopped coming because, frankly, he said, I've gone to church Sunday morning my whole life. I can't stop now. I said, what are you doing on Sunday nights? He's like, nothing. I don't say that to bring any shame on the man. I love him. But if we're dependent upon the things that always were, we can't go where God wants us to go. And I just, I want to speak that prophetically over us. I think that God has brought us to a place where we can no longer look back. We can no longer look to borrow oil from others. We got to get it for ourselves. We got to have that burning conviction in us that there's no turning back. And I don't know what that's going to look like, guys. I really don't. But Jesus does. And if Jesus does, and he's telling us to get ready, then maybe it's time that we get ready. Amen? So let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. Sometimes, Lord, you come to inspire. Sometimes you come to rebuke. Sometimes you come to challenge. And sometimes you come to encourage. I kind of feel like you did all four tonight. But Lord, you know exactly where each and every person is throughout this room. You know where they're at in their relationship with you. You know what they need. And some of them need a fresh touch tonight of heaven. They need uh, you to come and refill the oil of gladness and the oil of joy in their life. They need you to come and just refresh them tonight. And if that's you tonight, I just want to invite you to come forward right now as everybody's eyes are closed, heads are bowed. I want to make this a, a sacred moment for those that are in need of that tonight. And maybe you're here tonight and God just wants to give you spirit direction spirit-ready discernment for what you're about to face. Some of you are at a crossroads tonight. You're at a real crossroads. God wants to do something significantly new in your life, but it's going to take spirit-led discernment and direction to do it. That's what I've been trying to get at. Thank you, Lord. And if that's you tonight, I want you to come forward. And if we don't have enough people to pray, Matt and Taylor, would you guys come and be ready to pray? Because I feel like there's more that want to come forward tonight. So God, we thank you for that. Holy Spirit, 
as we've been praying and worshiping throughout this entire service and time, Lord, our prayer has been come rest on us. Lord, the, the desire of our heart is to host you, but in a fresh way, Lord, not in a stale way, not in a superficial way, but in a very real and dynamic way. God, that you would come and fill us afresh tonight, that you would fill us with the oil of joy, the oil of gladness, the oil of refreshing, the oil that causes our lamps to burn bright and clear for you. That as you light our lamps, as you fill us and light us, Lord, you send us out so that we can be oil brokers for others, so that we can take what you've given us and freely spread it all over this world. This world that you created, this world that you love. You loved it so much, Lord, that you sent your son to die for it. And tonight, as those who have received your word and this message, as those who walk in reconciliation and freedom and grace, Lord, help us to take what you have given us, Holy Spirit, and to bring it to our friends and neighbors. And at first, I just, I know, Lord God, there will be those that don't understand, maybe don't want, maybe feel like we're coming on too strongly or too intense. But Lord, we want people to be ready for your coming. We don't want people to miss the party. We don't want people to miss your arrival. And certainly, Lord, we don't want to miss it ourselves. So Lord, help us to get ready. Help us, Lord God, to be awake and watchful for all the things that you're about to do tonight. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at courageouschurch.com.